Morning. Okay, I'm one of the gingers here. Uh, leaders. Uh, where's Brendan? But Brendan, uh, Brendan, are you still classified as a ginger? Okay. So firstly, happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Um, I have three reasons to be a father. I just had many reasons to be a father in the corner there, and if the kids were making a ruckus, I do apologize. I try my best. Um, but that's the one way that we can do kids' church without wearing a bib, because green doesn't go with ginger. So uh, I'm going to start Father's Day with a couple of bad dad jokes. Uh, last night, um, so maybe just this little bit of a caveat. So uh, Anas, Anas asked last night, you know, uh, after the meeting yesterday afternoon, who feels to preach? And I just stayed quiet. I'm like, oh, you know, Ivan can preach, Grant can preach, Baron can preach, Hannes can preach, Steph can preach. Dylan can preach. Andrew could even come if he likes, but I just stayed quiet. And then on the way home, my wife was like, why don't you preach? And I'm like, ah. So so last night, we had Anton Dalport and his wife, Fimke. They're amazing eldership couple from Mosselby. We had them over for, um, sorry about this, Oxleys. We had them over for Oxtail. Um, And, uh, yeah, I'm so sorry about that. It was delicious, though. Thank you for your sacrifice. And uh, we were discussing... We were discussing, uh, you know, today's preach. So if the preach is terrible, it's absolutely James and Anton's fault. Okay, I had nothing to do with that. Okay. So bad dad jokes. Where's Rob? Where's Rob? I want you to laugh the loudest. Okay. I'm afraid for my calendar. Its days are numbered. Singing in the shower is fun until you get soap in your mouth. Then it turns into a soap opera. <laughs> these are so bad. I can actually hear Ivan telling these. <laughs> what do a tick and the Eiffel Tower have in common? They're both Paris sites. <laughs> Here's one for you, Ivan. What did the ocean say to the beach? Nothing, it just waved. Just two more. I'm almost done. I'm almost, I'm really, I'm almost done. Why do seagulls fly over the ocean? Because they flew over the bays. We call them bagels. <laughs> and this is the best one. This is Anton's one. <laughs> so, how do you make holy water? You boil the hell out of it. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, so... Um, you know, we're very privileged. If you just look at the, the color of the follicles in the front row, we've got a lot of fathers in the faith in this house. Um, you know, so we're very, very, we're very privileged. Um, and uh, so let me maybe start with, with um, my own father. So I've, I've been very blessed with a great dad. I hope you guys are recording this, by the way. Um, I've been blessed with an amazing father. And, uh, but he was quite different to, I think, what people perceive me to be. You know, he was not a, an unbelievable sportsman or, you know, he, he was kind of wore a tie and a suit. He's got a bit of a pan cop, you know, for the English people that suit bold. Uh, and he's very intellectual and he can talk to anybody about anything. And Tony can vouch for this. Tony's doing his PhD in botany. My father can talk to Tony about botany. He can speak to Gabriel about Formula One. And he knows what a, you know, the wing is. I don't even know what they call it. He can speak to Clifford about Porsches, and he can speak to surfers about surfing. He knows something about anything. He's a remarkable man. Um, but he's not the kind of father that I wanted when I was a light. You know, you want this big guy who you know, stands up for his kids. And I was, 
was always a bit disillusioned because our next door neighbors, uh, their father was this big guy, Um Sunli. And uh, he used to give all of us hidings, like proper hidings, if we were naughty, okay? And I remember when we were kids, I don't know if way back when, before they had video games and stuff, we used to have batteries, and you tied ropes around the battery to a plastic packet, and you chucked it up in the air, and then the parachute would come down. I don't know who's older than about 40. You guys will remember that. So, or maybe the people in Bloemfontein, they still do that. (laughs) So, um, sorry, Hannes. Uh, And your parents, oh dear. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Wim Anderson. So, I remember Wim Sunli could throw this battery higher than you can possibly believe. We had these blue gum trees and it literally would disappear and then come down. And we would all ask Wim Sunli to do it because we didn't, we we knew my father couldn't do it. But then, (laughs) my dad pulled out of his garage a mortar launcher, I'm not joking, <laughs> that he had from his military days. So a mortar launcher is literally a tiny rocket launcher. Okay, it works spring-mounted, and you step on it, and literally it used to launch a mortar kilometers far. Okay. So, so my dad pulls out a mortar launcher, and we're like, boo! Take that. <laughs> and it was, I remember I was like, my dad is the best. He's so proud of him. And it was just incredible how m- my view of my father just increased when he could do stuff like this. And, um, you know, I, I heard a quote that said, our capacity to talk, to talk to God is greatly influenced by our capacity to talk to our earthly fathers. So earthly fathers realize that your children's reference to God is very similar to their reference to you. So if they can talk to you, it'll make it a lot simpler for them to talk to Jacques. And I've seen this. I've seen this. Things that I, that I struggle to speak to my father to, I struggle to speak to God to. So there's such an important role that we as fathers fulfill in our children's lives. And uh, Romans 8.15 says that um, you know, we were adopted by him into sonship. And we cry, Abba, Father. Now, Abba is almost an endearing term. The, the, the Hebrew behind it is, it's not quite daddy, but it's, it's, almost, it's not father, the deference. It's, it's almost dad. So it's, it's an amazing reference that we were adopted by God, and to him we say, Abba. Almost daddy, like literally the daddy. It's an amazing picture. But, you know, being a father nowadays is one of the most criticized roles in the world. If you're a strong man... You're um, toxically masculine. So there's an onslaught against fathers. Steph touched on it. It's so bad nowadays just to be a good man and a good father, a strong husband, a strong father. It's so bad. And I, I find that so poisonous. I want to just touch on a couple of things today where we need to be strong men. Sorry, I'm preaching to the guys here. We need to be strong men. We need to be good fathers. Not just to our earthly sons, but also to each other. And we need to see God as a good father because I think that's been poisoned. So um, I think it was, um, what is that Navy SEAL movie where it says, it just takes one teaspoon of oil to contaminate a whole ship's containment of, sea, of, of fresh water. It just takes a little bit. Now, should you maybe discipline your children? Or should you lead your wife that, that way? That just basically poisons your fatherhood. 
You know, one of the biggest problems in South Africa, and this is not statistics, is absent fathers. We find that crime, and unfortunately I'm an attorney, so I, I see this, crime and prisons is rife with people that just don't have fathers. Absent fathers is the biggest problem we have in this country. More than poverty, more than, more than anything else, like other than you know, we, we all need them saved. But absent fathers is such a big problem. And we as men, really, we really need to step up. Okay. So here's one um, for you. Who of you remember Married with Children? You know that sitcom. I wanted to bring my Bluetooth speaker. We sit on the couch and he just hands out money in the scene song. You guys remember? You sit on the couch and then the daughter would come and he would just hand out money. And then the son would come and he would just hand out money. And then the dog would come and he would just hand out money. And in my mind, sitcoms, as funny as they are, and I've watched them, they diminish the role of the father so much. The father is always this imbecile, this, this idiotic, stupid figure who everybody makes fun of. And I remember growing up thinking, I would never, well, one, I would never treat my father that way. He made very sure of that. But I can't believe that that is what the role of the father has been diminished to. Surely we're more than that. Surely we're more than the butt of the joke. And I mean, I love bad dad jokes, trust me. But surely we're more than that. Okay. So, um, I want to say something a bit controversial. Um, I saw, I saw, yeah, sorry, most of what I say is controversial. Um, they, they asked a convicted child offender, what did he look for in children when they abducted the child? And he said, they didn't look at the children, they looked at the father. And if the father was present and a threat, they stayed away from the kids. So I want to challenge the fathers, be present and be a threat to powers and principalities of this world. Be a threat. Be the man that spends time on his knees and you're a threat to the enemy. Spend time on your knees. I remember when I grew up, I think I've mentioned this, I used to deliver papers at 5 o'clock in the morning, every morning. And our neighbors on the other side, not Gomsanli, other side, uh, at 5 o'clock in the morning, the father's light was always on, always on. And I knew what he was doing. He was doing Bible study. He was on his knees. And years, years, years later, I met up with him and I said, you know what? That is probably one of the two or three things in my life that I can pinpoint saying that influenced me. Because I knew there was a man on his knees. And it didn't mean he had to be, I'm you know. It was a man on his knees praying, standing in the gap for his kids, standing in the gap for his family, being a father. Okay. So, we all have fathers, by the way, biological fathers. If you're here, you have a father, okay? You are not, what is it, Dr. Evil that says, you know, I wish I was never artificially created in a lab, those of you that are, you know, you all have fathers, okay? But being a father is a lot more than just being a biological father. And even if you don't have children, that doesn't mean you can't be a father. You can be a father in a faith. Paul said to Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy 1 verse 2, Paul writes to Timothy, my true son in the faith. So he says, my true son in the faith. And then the interesting thing is, peace from God the Father. So he goes, Timothy, my son in the faith. And then he goes, peace from God the Father. So you immediately relate it this way and that way. So in a sense, I'm going ahead of my notes here, but Andrew is a father to all of us. Believe it or not, to the ones with the gray follicles here, Hannes is a father to all of us. I am, in a sense, a father to many of you. 
And you are a father to someone. You, you, you are a father to someone. Andrew said in the leader's time, you lead. Even if you just lead your own body, you still lead. And there's a, 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 a principle of leadership that's on a father. So the men here, you're all fathers in the faith in a certain sense. Okay. So let's look at the Bible, which is always, you know, when you preach a good place to start. Um, and Jesus, you know, he, he said to the disciples... Uh, in the Lord's Prayer, first line, our Father. Okay, if Jesus says it, one, we believe it. If Jesus starts the Lord's Prayer, the way that we should pray, with our Father. That's, I, th- I think that's pretty important. Okay, the first word he says, our Father. He relates to him as a son and a father. So I think that's, that's not a bad place to start. So... I, I discussed with uh, with um, James and Anton last night, and the Bible actually doesn't have a lot of good fathers. It's actually scary. We had to look for good fathers. There are lots of bad fathers. So let's look at one of the worst. Okay, Eli. Okay, so if you can put on, can you put on 1 Samuel 1 verse 3? Sorry, 1 Samuel 1 verse 3. I just want to jump back. Okay. So Eli was a priest. He was appointed by God, and his sons... If you look at uh, the latter part of that sentence, two sons of Eli were priests of God. So his sons were also priests. They were ordained by God. They were priests of God. And they were tasked with the things of God. The priests were there to minister and to uh, relay God's word to the people and to do the things of God in the temple. If you go to the next verse, please. Uh, where does that? Um, verse 222. Now Eli was very old, heard everything about it, what his sons were doing to all Israel. And now they stepped with the women who were serving to the entrance of the tent of meeting. Next, next one, please. Basically, okay, let me paraphrase. Okay, they were stealing the meat from the pot. I actually find that interesting. They were sticking their forks in the pot and, and you know, picking out the choice meat. And they were, they were literally behaving pretty badly. But Eli knew about this. They say he heard about everything. He knew what they were doing. He was the priest, and they were priests, and Eli just skimmed over it. Oh, you know, it's a, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's okay, but I'm, I'm not going to do anything about it. It's, and by not doing anything, he condoned it. You know, Spider-Man, I think it said, um, the only ta- thing it takes for, for bad men to prosper is for strong men to do nothing. So Eli knew what his sons were doing wrong. Okay. He said to them, uh, why do you do such things? I am here from all the people that these wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons, it's not a good report that I hear spreading among the Lord's people. So then he went, okay, but you, you know, you guys are being naughty. You know, my son hits another boy. You know, don't, don't do that, my son. That's, that's bad. Yes, in a way, that's chastising. But I need to get it out of him. I'm his father. I need to take responsibility for him. It's my duty to make sure that I raise him in things of God. Um, and then the crazy thing about uh, Eli is, if you go to verse 29, God says to him, Why do you honor your sons more than me? So that's a bit of a crazy thought. By condoning their sinful behavior, he was actually honoring them and dishonoring God. Wow, well, that's crazy. What happened to Eli's sons? They both died on the same day. 
and Eli also passed away. And he actually gave the priesthood to Samuel, to someone else. He said, well, I can't trust you. I'm sorry. You've been a bad father. And if you're a bad father, and those of you that were at the leaders' training, one of the qualifications for an elder is he has to steward his family well. If you're a bad father, God will give that leadership role to somebody else. Let's look at a good father. We had to search hard for this one. Uh, Genesis 22. Abram. Okay. Now, we all know the story. I just want to paint a little bit of a different picture to this. Sometime later, God said to Abram, he said, Abram, here I am. He replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to this region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abram got started and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. We had cut enough wood for the burnt offering. He set out to the place that God had told him about. On the third day, uh, so you skip the, um, there we are, verse 6. Abram took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on Isaac. Now that's quite important. Okay, we can read the rest later. Isaac was not John Paul's age. Isaac was not four or five. He was of the age that he could carry the wood for a sacrifice. And that meant quite a bundle of wood. So that meant Abram, when he had Isaac, was 100. Okay, so he was an old man. So think Ivan, Nathan. No offense, Ivan. (laughs) So basically, Nathan, Ivan, Abram, Isaac. Isaac could have turned around and said, no, what are you doing, Dad? This is insane. But Isaac trusted his father. He knew he would follow his father as his father followed God. God said, and Isaac obeyed his father because he knew that Abraham obeyed God. And obeyed him up until the point of death. Basically where he wanted to slay him. And then the angel said, no, 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 wait. There's a ram. I thought it was a goat, but it's a ram. Anton corrected me. There's a ram in the thicket. Go and get the ram instead. But what trust between a father and a son that he would actually obey his father to the point of death. And I wonder what Abraham was thinking. I'm, I'm sure he was thinking, God, if you could anything, you can raise him from the dead. What faith between a father and a son. May we be fathers who our sons follow up to the point of death. And not just that, not just our earthly sons, also our, our spiritual sons, our sons in the faith, that we say, you know what, I don't necessarily see what Andrew says. I, don't, I, I feel like I'm the sacrifice here, but I follow him as he follows Christ. Okay. And just to say something controversial, that's not just Andrew. That's Hannes. That's any of the elders saying, I follow them as they follow Christ. All right. So if we then look at God as the perfect example of the Father, so I'm trying to do... You know, there's a bad father, there's a good father. And now, what is, what is God the father? God is the perfect father. So, James gave me an interesting example. He said, before creation, God and Jesus already, they were there. And they were God the father. And that was perfect. The father-son relationship was perfect before creation. And then, God created Adam. Okay, and he was, in a sense, the perfect son. But then he sinned. And then the father-son relationship was broken. That, and to this day, we struggle with father-son relationships. I mean, honestly, honestly, you don't have to answer that question. And neither do you, Tristan, because your father is here as well. And 
Oxley's your father's here as well. But who struggles with their father relationship sometimes? I mean, <laughs> but no, no, we're, we're going to get to you two just now. We're going to get to you two just now. Um, and then if you look at the father relationship that was strained between, between God and Adam, then God does something amazing. He says, you know what, because this is so strained, because this is not working, you, you guys just can't get it right. I'm going to be the perfect father. I'm going to send my perfect son to show you what it means to be a real father. So he sends Jesus, and the most beautiful scene, if you look at Matthew 7, the transfiguration, uh, this is where Jesus and some of the apostles are on the mountain, Moses and Elijah appears, and God says, this is my son in whom, of whom I love. In him I am well pleased. Listen to him. What an incredible picture of the perfect father saying to the perfect son, that is perfect. That is a perfect son. And by inference, if this is perfect, that also means that's perfect. If you look at Luke eleven thirteen, it says, If you fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father give you good gifts? There's another scripture that says, um, if, if your children ask you for bread, who will give them a stone? If he asks you for fish, who will give them a snake? If you as earthly fathers can give good gifts, how much more your heavenly father? So God is the perfect father. And the beauty of it is the following. Who's quite short? Who's quite short? Just lift your hand, please. No, Johan, you're definitely not short. Okay, Tristan, you're relatively short. May I just borrow you for a second? Just borrow you for a second? Yeah, yeah, I want to do this with guys, man. This is preaching about fathers, so no days. James, just come here as well, please. Okay, James is quite tall, so just stand here, okay? Okay, James, come and stand here in front of him. Okay. So from where I'm standing, I can't see Tristan. I, I know he's there. I know he's there, but the big jacket helps. But I can't see that he's there. And if, and I'm paraphrasing, please forgive me for this, but if, if I'm God and Tristan is Tristan, and James is Jesus, this is what I see. I don't see Tristan, I don't see a sin. Thanks. Because Jesus is the, it says he's the advocate, the one who comes in between, the one who argues on our behalf. So when God, who's the perfect father, looks at his broken, sinful, Tristan, what else can we use to describe you? Moustached, uh, newly saved, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm joking. Son, what he sees is James. No, I'm joking. He sees Jesus. He sees his perfect son. What a picture of the perfect father looking at his son and saying, well, you're not perfect, but my son is, and I'll put him in the gap, and he will be the advocate for you. So I preached a, a while ago about the prodigal son and, uh, and what this means. I just want to rehash a little bit of it quickly. Uh, Luke 15, verse 11. If you look at the father, so we always read the prodigal son thinking, you know, I'm the prodigal son or he's the prodigal son. But if we look at the father, uh, just go on, uh, verse 15 about. Um, go on. Yeah, 
I will set out and go back to my father. What's interesting is, look at verse 80. He says, I will go back to my father, small caps, and say to him, Father. He thinks about him. He goes, yeah, I'm going to go back home. But then he realizes, oh, flip. I've messed up. I better refer to him as, I can't refer to him as Abba, because he's not daddy, he's father. And say, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me well like one of your hired men. Next slide. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. So let me just give you a bit of context. They lived in a village, not on a farm. Okay, so they didn't have a, a stoop met a mooi wingerpreel with these garden chairs and a you know, cold G&T in the glass, you know, water running down the side and soft classical music playing. They were in a town. Okay, so this meant the father sat at the gate. Sitting at the gate, watching for his son. He was hoping his son would come back. And then he sees something in the distance. And he's thinking, well, maybe, maybe that's my boy. Maybe that's my boy. Okay, okay let's, let's have a look, let's have a look. And he starts running. Okay, now those of you that have heard this preach, please humor me for it. Men at that age did not run. It was socially, politically, even religiously, you did not run. It was not done. But this father is like, I need to get to my boy. Because if the son got to the village, he would have been judged. Because the village elders would have said, what did you do? You squandered your inheritance, therefore you are cut off. So if the son got to the village before the father got to the son, he would have been subject to judgment. So this perfect father and this, this, this picture, the picture of the prodigal son, Jesus tells to give us an illustration of the perfect father. So what this father does is he runs. And you must understand, they weren't wearing jeans or poly shorts or, you know, some kind of running gear, tights even. Okay, they were wearing cloaks, long cloaks. And you can't run with those. So he had to hike it up. He had to pull it up. And basically show his legs. Now, it's not like nowadays where men shave their legs and things. You didn't see men's legs those days. Okay. So this was absolutely not done. It was just not done, ever. So I want you to just grasp this concept of what the father did. It didn't just run to his son. He broke every rule in the book to get to his son. He broke societal, religious Every single rule to make sure that he gets to son before he gets to judgment. Because if the son got to judgment, it would have been too late. So this father basically put himself at liberty and, and literally put himself in the line of fire running after his son and going, I will get to him before he gets to judgment. And that's what God does to us. That's what God does for us. God says, I will get in the line of fire. I will put Jesus in front of me so that I don't see the sin of Tristan, of the world. I'm joking. That I don't see your sin, I see my son. I will sacrifice him on the cross. And remember, it's the God three in one. I wonder, I always wonder what God felt when Jesus said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? What did God feel? He had to do it. What, what went through God's heart? Can you imagine? Can you imagine the heartache of a father having to say, I'm sorry, I can't even look at you. I always wonder. I'll ask him one day. 
So Jesus stands in the way and he makes a way for us so that we don't have to be judged. What an incredible father. Something lighter. We have a desire to please our fathers. It's, it's an innate thing. When my kids play sports, it's great when mom's around. It's and not dissing moms. But dad, dad, have you seen me jump on the trampoline? Dad, 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 come watch me do this. Dad, 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 come do this with me. Dad, they want us to be proud of them. It's an innate thing. It's just a human nature. It's a beautiful thing. And it's nurturing mom. If they fall off their bicycles, they want mom. But if they want someone to be proud of them, they want dad to see. Dad, come watch me surf. Dad, come watch me jump. Dad, look, I can do this. And they do a ball of makisi. And you're like, wow, that's amazing. And it's actually just you doting on your kids. And it's a beautiful thing. But since the fall, since Adam, we haven't been able to do this with God. We haven't been able to please. We cannot please God. Not in ourselves. There are things that we can do that please His heart. But in ourselves, we can't completely please Him. We need Jesus to stand in the way. We need more fathers as well. One of the things that Andrew mentioned is we need more elders. Because if there are many elders, the wolves stay away from the sheep. But if there are not enough elders, then the wolves will come. So we need more fathers in the house. We need people to father up, literally. We need people to man up. If you look at 1 Corinthians 4, verse 14. Uh, just go next slide. Mm, okay, let me read, just read my notes. Uh, basically, it says, you do not have many fathers. You need fathers. Titus 2, verse 2 says, teach older men to be temperate. So basically meaning, younger men, teach older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith and endurance. This means that even though you're a younger man, I'm looking at the Tonys and the Jose's and you know the, some of the guys that are just out of youth, you can be fathers in this house. In a certain sense, you can father me in the faith. You can, you can teach me in the faith. Um, I'm thinking of, of, um, you know, of Ivan when I just got saved. Ivan said, Collets, would you lead a meeting with me? I'm like, what? He's, I, still, I think he's still regretting that day. But uh, just he fathered me. And he's like, you don't have to do anything. Just watch what I do. Just watch what I do. If you take somebody surfing, do you go, okay, c'est la vie, cheers. There you go. Just don't drown, by the way, and stay away from me. What do you go? Let me teach you. Teach you how to paddle. Teach you how to duck dive. Yeah? If you're from Bloemfontein, it takes a bit longer. But, um, you know, teach, teach people. Yeah. And then Psalm 27.10 says a remarkable thing. And I'm, I'm winding down with this. Though my father and my mother forsake me. The Lord will, be, will receive me. One of the translations says, the Lord will be my father. What an incredible picture. Uh, before I go on, just to, to draw these things to a close, um, I, had a, I had a good chat with, with James last night. And I, I want to embarrass him first before I ask him to come up here. Uh, he said that when he, when he just started, um, how can I put this mildly? Showing interest in Jenna. Uh, he was not allowed to, uh, from his own 
own side and Ivan, not allowed to be in the same room alone with her. Ivan was always the chaperone, and there was this, this thing of, you know, Father Ivan, you know. And in a sense, James was scared of him. <laughs> That's the response I was hoping for. And you know what? That's not a bad thing. One day, I want the young man who wants to court my daughter to be scared of me. I'm going to take him for a run first and then see if he's still keen. <laughs> Most likely not. After 100 Ks, if he still wants to take it to a movie, he's welcome. But just, <laughs> but just the, there's a beauty in that about the, the reverence that James has for Ivan. That you've entrusted something dear to me. And there's a healthy fear in this. It's not as if he walks fear and trepidation around Ivan, but he knows this is the father, and he's my father. And there's, there's something about a respect, even a healthy fear. And my kids as well, I, I don't want them to fear me when I walk in the room, they all cower like this. But I want them to know if I tell them don't run across the street, and they don't listen, there will be consequences. The same with God. If God tells us, I want you to do this or not do that, there are consequences. There's a healthy fear, a fatherly fear. So, I'm going to come quickly, Chef. I'll have a drink of water. Thank you. How's it, guys? That just reminded me now of um, when I was in TMT in 2018. I started hanging out with the Fun Furans, and um, one day I got a message from Hannes, <coughs> and he said, uh, so when are we going to have that Jenna chat? <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Here we go. And I think what made Genevieve so attractive, not just her looks to me and her heart, but was the men around her. Like, I knew I couldn't get to her. It was, like, impossible. Like, with Ivan, with Andrew, with Hannes, even with Mike. I had a chat with Mike Oxy. Hannes had a chat with me. I still um, asked Ivan, and then still we had to go and see Andrew after I asked Jen to date me. So I was like, after that week, I was finished there. Eh? Um, you know, Basil's hard work, eh? Yeah. But um, I, think, I think that's just a testament to the fathers in this house. And um, I don't want to go too deep into it, but like, obviously I'm here because I've had a biological father, but he passed away a few years ago. And in that time, I was like a, a chicken without a head, you know, I was a wild, rebellious young guy. And what happened to me when I got to 22 is I was adopted. I was adopted into God's house. And he adopted, just according to those scriptures, he adopted me to sonship. And I found the Father, I found Jesus in a huge way. And I think the thing we've got to realize is God, the Father, he's not here physically with us. Where is he? He's on the throne. He's there. So what does he give us here? He gives us fathers in the house. And I can honestly say I've been so shaped by the fathers in the house. And um, I can say that the first, I think uh, the first time I met you, God said to you that you need to be a father to me, hey? And so, sorry? Before anything, before he knew me, um, for all he knew, I was just after his daughter. <laughs> and yet, I haven't heard God say that he must be a father to me before he knew me. And since that day, he's been faithful for being a father, father to me. So, I actually want to, no, I didn't think about doing this, but I want to honor you for being, for being a father to me since day one, um, where I don't have an earthly father with me. But, I've got many fathers in this house, and I've been clapped, I've been pushed down, I've been lifted up, I've been fed, I've been given many things, a lot of clubs. Um, and I, there'll be many more, but I'll welcome them. And I think I just want to encourage us. Um, in this house, guys, like, give yourself to the fathers. Um, they'll shape you and mold you for the better. 
and they will help you experience God the Father here on earth in a, in a larger way. And um, I can say that, that from my life, and it's a testament. I'm only here because of that. So also, um, for all the guys in this place, like actually pray and ask God, Lord, who do you want me to touch? Because maybe just by asking God, he'll reveal to you somebody that, that he wants you to touch and somebody that he wants you to father, just like he said to Ivan. And so stay in submission to him. Stay ready to hear his voice. And I just want to blow wind into, what he, into the sails of what he's saying. Like last night we, we had a little joke. As soon as you start following Jesus as a man, you've give, been given like the privilege to be dangerous. If you think about it, every man in this house has the privilege of being dangerous for protecting each other against powers and principalities, protecting children, protecting the women. Um, so I want to encourage you guys with that. Like I'm only here because of dads. Literally, and I don't even have a dad at the moment, you know, biological father. And so I've got many, and I've, they've got my heart, honestly. They, they know that they've got a, they can clap me whenever they want to. They can love me whenever. Um, so, yeah, awesome, man. Thanks, James. That's amazing. Yeah, if you can love people like James and me, you can love everyone. So I want to cast the net out. And I know. I've been very blessed with a good earthly father, but I know not everyone has, has had that blessing. And that's okay, because God is a perfect father. So even if your lens is cracked or broken, or even not there, I want to invite you today to come and meet God the Father. Because he's the perfect father. And there's nothing that your earthly father can do that is even remotely close to what God can do. God is constant. He never changed. I remember not being able to understand why my father would react this way one day and then this way the next day and then this way the next day. God is constant. He never changes. He's, he's perfect. We can depend on him. He's faithful. He is love. And our heavenly father is an example that us as earthly fathers, we can only try and be like him, but we can never be like him. So I just want everybody to close their eyes. Jesus, you, oh God, you are the perfect father. And we say, Father, we are not. Despite our best efforts, we are not, Lord. Lord, and I just want to invite anyone here who has not met the perfect father, Lord, who is stuck in the view of the earthly father's father, or even the lack thereof, that has not come to know you, Lord. Yeah, Father, I just want to cast that net open. If, if there's anybody here that has not met the perfect father, the one who laid down his life for you, the one who gave up everything for you, I just want to give an opportunity, if, if there's anyone here, to come and meet the perfect, perfect father who will love you perfectly. If there's anyone like that, Yeah, Lord, we don't, we don't want to just rush and move on, Father. We want to just consider your goodness and your grace, Lord. Is there anyone, anyone like that? Thank you, Lord. Yeah, Jesus, and for the rest of us, Father, I pray that on this day where we celebrate Father's Lord, we would celebrate you, that we would cast our eyes upon you, Father, and even if there's forgiveness to be given, Lord, to our earthly fathers where they've fallen short, Father, I pray that it would grow dim in the light of what you've done for us, Father, that we would see our earthly fathers through your lens, Lord, 
that you've put them uh, between ourselves and you, Father, in a sense that they would model Jesus to us, Lord. And where they've fallen short, Lord, that we would forgive them, Lord. Now, Jesus, that you would fill us with your love, with a perfect Father's love, Lord. Yeah. Now, Lord, we, we also want to just want to honor earthly fathers, Lord, and thank you for the ability to be fathers, Lord, and, and also to help us to identify those whom we need to father. Like James said, Lord, to, to put ourselves out there and go, Lord, who can I father? Who can I be a spiritual mentor to? Who can, who can I adopt as a son or a daughter? That we can just look to the elders or look to the leaders to do that, Lord, but each one of us would be open to adopt someone into our lives as you've adopted us. That we would lead with you, Lord. We would follow as you follow, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen.